0: Um, guys
1: oh god we're talking about
0: renaissance age <laughs> why because i like some songs on
1: this well all right all right oh, all right H. all right all right all right let's do this all right <laughs> so what so- what songs do you like on, on renaissance like what what songs stick out okay
0: to so you? i'm yeah. gonna and i see that we're live so hello awesome. yeah. yeah
1: um yeah, starting the show yeah, yeah right
0: yeah. out the gate so yeah. here's the thing Violence. i'm not a beyonce stan i'm not in the beehive okay. But I love it.
1: What, what, what does it mean to be, so, so, cause you gotta break this down for like the layman folks or whatever, the folks that don't <laughs> listen to
0: that. What, uh, <laughs> the, the beehive, the be,
1: yeah. So
2: it
0: sounds what, like when this yeah. particular artists, when they yeah. um, reach a certain status, they have a group of people who are like their stands, right? Like I'm sure we got some three times dope stand people who are out there who are gonna ride for us, like us, yeah. Follow yep. us, and protect us, not let anybody say anything crazy. So they call yep. those folks are the beehives. Yep. So I'm yep. prefacing this by saying I'm not like a super beehive fan. I've never seen Beyonce in concert, but I do love music and I love to dance.
2: Okay. So when her
0: album came out, we're talking about Renaissance, I could only like get through the first six songs and then I kind of stopped. Um, but those okay. six songs were on repeat all the time. Over the weekend, I kind of ended up doing some skipping, and I got to like three other songs. There's one that's called Move with Grace Jones and Tim, and another one that's called Heated, and I am like, I cannot get those songs out of my head. So, shout Grace, out. Grace, still make music? I, so she's I think been, she came like, back for she's this. sampling, too. Oh, so, yeah, like, yeah. She samples um, Twinkie from oh, the yeah. Clark Sisters in Church Girl. She samples um, a bunch of different people. So yeah. I really am appreciative yeah. of that. And so
1: shout yeah, but, out. But, 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 wait, but wait, but wait, because when the, when the album first came out you, you, with this whole
0: Khalees thing, you was going hard. No, I wasn't going hard. I was talking. What? No, it was less about those individuals and more about equity and protecting Black women. It was She more was about- protecting her. How so? She was. Pre- All right.
1: So so first and foremost, right? Wait, let it me. Was- I, this-
0: I was less about her protecting it and more about like how so many talented artists, many of them black women, ended up in raggedy contracts
2: yeah. or situations, yeah. not
0: getting their rights, those kinds of things.
2: Fair, yeah. So that was yeah. more yeah.
0: about, yeah, we need to do a better job of that. I know that, didn't last week or two weeks ago, there was like a hip hop union that started? I know that's your favorite U word. Um, no. It's yeah. Not, let's talk about the unions. Yeah. Yo, yeah, we let's talk about better. the
1: unions. <laughs> Doc is coming here tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it's gonna to be here tomorrow. To put my money on. <laughs>
1: Right, folks, three times dope podcast on the check in. Hey, first of all, let's talk about these unions. Right? These unions shit.
0: Hello, welcome, you usually ain't. Hello, welcome to this. Show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Our <laughs> colleague and friend has decided to choose violence coming in <laughs> off the bat. We apologize. He just, yeah. you know, like if your kids are around, just turn me value for a second. Sorry. Uh, how are everybody doing? Right? You good?
1: I, I hey I am perfect. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to unleash this bag of heat that I got. So first first, first and foremost, right? So been seeing a whole lot on social media about American University. Yeah. We're all affiliated to it some to some
2: degree with American University. What what
1: is, do we have any thoughts here?
2: Man, like I someone hit me up and sent me a link to it and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first reaction Because y'all know I have participated In my fair share of sit-ins And strikes as a teacher And my grandfather came through the union As a worker In the foundry of Ford Motor Company And one of the things That I always say is uh, and, and If it's anything You want to watch Go watch this show called New Amsterdam It's about the oldest public hospital It's fiction Uh, in New York City, in America, but it's in New York, I think. They shut down the hospital the same way these workers at American University are talking about being on strike. It was the custodians, admin assistants, the people who did laundry in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And that was the first thing that came to mind. And I don't have any data, so don't be out here saying that I said X and Y. I wonder what percentage of those people are black Washingtonians Mm -hmm. working Uh in these service roles because many of the people who are represented by that particular union are oftentimes people of color. They're the people who uh, do the hard work at a university to keep the university running. And I'll be the first to say like, being a faculty member at a university actually isn't the hardest job at the university, Yeah, right? Because you live with a certain level of privilege that uh, needs to be acknowledged. But those who wake up and work a nine to five have to be there, whether the university is full, not whatever, like those are the people that um, make the university run and are oftentimes Mm. uh, made invisible because of the way we celebrate and honor quote unquote scholarship in higher education. What type of scholarship would we get from uh, Mr. Jones who's been the custodian in X Hall for 25 years. We get all sorts of scholarship about the evolution of higher education from that brother, but we don't acknowledge that level of brilliance. So I digress a little bit as I I go down that path, but I was shocked right, at at what's happening at the university. Um, And uh, I'm still kind of gathering information to better understand like, I didn't even know that this negotiation was happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm super curious to see where it lands, because I think they said starting today or tomorrow, they're going to yeah. strike for five, <laughs> five days, which gets into when students are coming back. Yeah. And yeah. other things. So I think that um, well, hey, we don't know that we just lowly adjuncts.
0: Yeah. But, it, you know, it makes uh, me think about this time last year when there <laughs> were issues happening at Howard University. Yeah, And there were teachers who were talking about... Not the Mecca! Not the, the, Mecca. Mecca. Not, not the there, Mecca y'all talking about. There were teachers, um, adjuncts, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and other staff members who were um, who were about to strike or either started striking, That's right. who had walked out. And again, it was around their pay. It was around safe protocols.
1: Real quick, real quick, real quick. You know what else was a, a reason why folks at Howard was ticked off? Because you had somebody that came into Howard that got a max contract. Go ahead.
0: True. And there were also issues around housing. There were young people who didn't have housing. I think it was also around like when we were quick to try to put things in place to reopen schools and universities and get things back to normal. There were a lot of things around infrastructure, around leave, around time, around building capacity, around cleaning, around filters, around exposure, around testing, around adequate leave. That weren't necessarily addressed for many of the yeah. people in the universities, especially. And we know how universities are, right? They're cash cows. They need to stay open. They need tuition. They need that money. They need that matriculation fee. And when you can think that universities are bringing in so much money and aren't able to prioritize the basic needs for staff, for faculty, for students, for housing, it can make people feel like they're worth and their work is not valued. And so. And you know how unions are, right? It just takes one. I, I don't know what how unions are.
1: imagine uh, cool. uh, yeah.
0: that Unions are the kind of thing where once you push, once you draw that line in the sand, that yeah, line right. is drawn for yourself and serves as a marker for other people. And so this is why when we saw Amazon doing things, now others are like, no, well, we can do that too. And so we got to start thinking about, I know how you feel about unions, but we got to start thinking about if I can see one institution who's, who's dealing with the same things I am, them to push back and get more, that's an indicator to me and to mine that I may be able to do the same. So,
2: I I also find that in higher education, um, the, the folks who do this type of work, like the clerical work, administrative work, custodial work at urban universities are often the people who've been in that community for a long time and they provide this level of work and service to largely uh, white students at PWIs in particular who went from there, Whoa. Who, who oftentimes, absolutely, who oftentimes don't stop and talk to them. And I remember that one of my mentors in higher ed said to me one time, he said, listen, when you see the uh, staff who aren't on faculty, who are secretaries, who do custodial, who uh, are working in the plant, um, kind of keeping the, uh, the, what do you call it? The, the, the furniture moving, yeah. Like You need yeah. in the cafeteria. And it was yeah. one, and and so my mentor told me this. And, and it, when I was on faculty at Loyola, it took about two years. And most of the cafeteria uh, staff was Black. <laughs> they didn't realize that I was on faculty because, of course, I ain't show up in a, in, in, a, in in a suit anyway. So Uh-oh. they were like, they didn't really know what I did at the institution, and they were like, we we got we have even more respect for you because you didn't say, well, I'm Doctor Simmons, and like you know, kiss the pe- the uh, penny in my penny loafers or some bullshit. Um, like, wait, so so what did you do?
1: What did you do? Because I'm curious. Besides uh, start trouble, like, what did you do at Loyola?
2: I didn't. I did not start any trouble. I had, few, I had a few. I had a few moments of uh, polite disagreement with the administration, and I am one of the rare few. It is public record that I left Loyola on my terms with tenure, and I am not the only person to do that. And as I have said very publicly, I left because when you have a double standard as an institution for how you treat people. I'm not sure I want to do that when I've earned tenure and sat in the car and heard my mama cry because I was the second black man to ever get tenure at the university. A unanimous vote with tenure, to be clear. That's
1: what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. To yeah, be clear, not- we out here I'm being not- clear. <laughs> hey, 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 and and I'm a, I'm gonna I'm shout you out even further, right? Because my uncle, who is a faithful listener to the show, he told me yesterday he was like, bro, I don't even listen to you. I call to listen to Smooth Doc. Right, I'm like yo, yeah, hey, yo. He's, like, he's, like, hey he's, like cat, he's like the cat, he's like the the cat from Detroit is smooth. He's I like, hey, that. He, be, he be using your stuff and going and you know doing his old man thing. I was like, yo, old men, old men gotta be
2: in community together, baby. That's right. Old
1: That's men right. gotta be in
2: community That's right. together. We gotta be, shout out to Up, man. Shout out yeah. to Unk. Yeah, I, I left on my own terms, and I think that I would encourage all people who desire to be faculty on these tenured line roles. I don't poo-poo it, I don't knock it. All I'm saying is, there is life outside of the academy. There is, and as David Stovall once said to me, just because you have tenure doesn't mean that can't fire you. It means it is harder to fire you. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. And so I think for me, you can still find freedom and shout out to uh, the Dean of the School of Ed at American and uh, Samantha Cohen, who's the head of our doc program, uh, for my faculty position cuz they li- allow me the freedom to tell my story and speak my truth uh but you know like I as I, as as brother Malcolm said like if it ain't no music I don't dance and if mm. If, if, mm. if 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 I don't have, uh you know, if I'm not itching I ain't scratching so like I don't I don't dance to them tunes like that and I think there's a dangerous world in higher education where people believe for faculty who are untenured that they can get bullied. That they can get told to teach oh. five classes oh. after eight or nine o'clock, and all these crazy things that reproduces the type of oppression that the same people at these institutions would argue I'm opposed to. Oh
1: mm-hmm. wow,
2: that's my case.
1: This oh wow, what a case you made, right? And so that that's that that's a perfect pivot for me. <clears throat> Higher ed ain't shit, and here's why. We got folks that are coming right. in first day. We got come in, We got folks teachers that are coming in first day that have been in these higher ed institutions for four years, and they are adequately unprepared to teach black kids. Right? They're unpre- they're, they're adequately unprepared to teach any kid, particularly black and brown kids in the inner city. You get mm-hmm. these folks in here, right? And mm-hmm. it's like you taking three to five years in order to get them right in order for them to be able to like move kids. Right. And so my question to you guys also in higher ed, also in the academy is what needs to be done on, on, on that end of the spectrum in order for folks to come in ready for our kids and ready for all kids on day one. What are the things that we need to do uh, as, as, as pre- scholar practitioners in order to get them ready to be able to teach uh, in, in the inner city on day one. Hey, starting with you, because you're the principal of the year, the decade, all that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I think part of what we have to do is we have to, like, stop this thought that on day one, you know everything you're supposed to know, because you don't. Um, There needs to be a commitment to your own professional learning and to Mm -hmm. learning about the community and the context and the content in which you are serving. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. If you're talking Mm -hmm. about strategies for improving it, I think we got to do a better job at placing student teachers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and putting them in relevant real life places where they too often you end up with the same kind of most veteran teacher who is kind of closer to out the door than in the door and who kind of gets the student teacher as like a gift instead of them growing and pushing them. That's Mm -hmm. one. Also, oh, yeah, student-teacher residencies need to be longer. That little, like, eight weeks and you watch the first week and then do the morning meet in the second week and then start to take over and then leave is not appropriate. We need to do a better job at restructuring those practicum experiences and yeah. making them realistic for the type of work that young people are going to do. Okay. I think the other thing we need to do, and this is kind of a higher ed and, like, school thing, we yeah. need to figure out a way... To debunk this like year one versus year two and three, and assuming that folks don't still need to get better in years two, three, four, five, and beyond. I yep. remember a few years ago I was working in the neighboring county, and I was working not with new teachers but through the district office with support for not for new and developing teachers who had yep. not yet received tenure. And so in this program, in this particular county, on the first day of your third year, you would get tenure if you had done your successful you know, observations and you weren't like a failing teacher. And so what happened was they were losing all of these candidates who had got through the first year but couldn't make the second and third year because all the help and support that they got in the first year went away. There was this assumption that as soon as your first year is over, you got it and you understand. And that's the same mistake we make when folks are coming out of higher ed to go into these classrooms. We need to also think, my third and last thing, is we need to reevaluate the ways that we are training them. And we need to, especially when we are trying to train them to go and teach black and brown children in the most deserving of communities. Because a lot of the things that we ask them to think about and know and be ready to do, is not going to help them on day one or day 180. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things that I learned were trial by fire. Like, But, yeah. but I didn't have a mentor. I loved my school principal. But I didn't have an official mentor. I found one yeah. on my own. I yep. was smart enough to like- But, but you, had you had enough
1: worth you had enough worth to be able to go and do that, right? You were, sure. you were humble you, enough.
0: Sure, but if you ask Miss Gail Murdoch, who was my student teacher at Peabody when I was doing my practicum from Trinity, mm-hmm. She yeah. would tell you that part of what I would always do after I finished was say, "What did I do? How could I get better? What did yeah. I do? How could I get better?" And she kept yeah. saying, "I kept thinking to myself, girl, you're not gonna know it all. You're supposed to be struggling, right? But yeah. that whole thought about what that other sounds things well, not supposed to be struggling like <laughs> you should be bad, but you, were trying to help me create a way to give myself grace because yeah. I wasn't supposed to okay. know
2: all
1: okay all right
0: understood many of those like they're also this last thing this is like 3.5 we need to be thinking really critically about the way we are training teachers to look at data and to teach core subjects like this whole like six you can elective choose like technology or special ed as your elective in your program is like crazy talk (laughs) Right? Because special ed is not a subject. It's a way of teaching general topics and content. So I think if we want to get better around what teacher prep programs are, there's a lot of work we can be doing in the development and the support of those people as they come out into schools and throughout their careers.
2: The good doctor. What are your thoughts? I agree with all that. (laughs) I think that, uh, I I, I think my, my 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 addition is when I, when when we're talking about preparing teachers, I I'll include higher ed as being deficient. I wouldn't call it trash, as my brother says, or it's full of shit, or some other expletive that he decides to use to describe <laughs> higher ed. Some other random shite, shite that he calls it. I would just say that higher education has a long way to go, and so do these other um, alt route programs, right? What I mean is that there's enough blame to go around for the failures of educators to be able to work with our kids. For example, when and <clears throat> I won't name any um, alt route programs, but are there some- yeah, okay. TFA? No, TFA is not an alt route program because they don't train teachers, but that's another conversation. <laughs> Uh, and they say that on the website, I will stand by this. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm happy to see alumni who lasted 2.2 minutes and now are superintendents. <laughs> Any of these things. I'm happy to go there. Right. It is the only part of our profession where you can go and do that, have minimal experience and then supervise people who have double the experience and the receipts of success. I digress however I digress because you know I know I know how they they like them they like a gang of, of folks man but anyway like I stand and debate the TFA crowd anytime but anyway I had to sit up in my seat there are far too many alt route programs that get let off the hook because they like to feed into the narrative that teacher education is trash so that's why we exist and that may be true but you need to own your own failure such as using, um, What's up uh, You're teaching like your hair is on fire. Whatever the name of, of the <laughs> the name of that trash is. Some of them still rocking Ruby Payne, which we know is trash and and built around white supremacy and racism. Right. So I just think that while teach, teach like a champion, there we go, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's that thing. Like you have organizations still using that. Then you have people talking about, well, we're going to create a course on anti-racism but yet we're just gonna call it a course on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, Yeah, diversity, equity, inclusion ain't anti-racism. That's right. You have have a lot of these alt route programs that I think have the right model, which is a medical model. Like I agree with that. I think they spend a lot more time on content. I agree with that. However, (laughs) I don't necessarily think that some of the work they do around issues of equity and urban schools and understanding the sociology of urban uh, communities is any better than you get uh, in, uh, in in a regular teacher uh, prep program. But I do agree, like the the student teaching for a semester, you know, is trash. Um, and and I do think that there needs to be an apprenticeship model or a medical residency model that is much better. Um, and for me, I did, I had that model because like H, I had a mentor teacher, Nancy Jordan. Uh, shout out to her, uh, who was my mentor teacher when I first started teaching at Drew Middle School in Detroit in 96. And she would come by my room and say like, oh, in your prep period, you need to be in my room. And she was an OG. She had won teacher uh, a year awards. She knew all the aunties, uncles. She, As a matter of fact, this is how you know she an OG. When it was her prep period and I would go in there, and if she didn't have any kids, she would be in there with her house shoes on until the kids came back. She would just be chilling, working, right? But she had her house shoes on. And I was like, oh, Miss Jordan, I didn't know you could do that. She's like, you can't. But when my kids come in here, I'm putting on my heels because I need them to see what brilliance uh, in Black women looks like. She used to tell me that. So I would go during my prep period to watch her teach because she was an architect. She wasn't a master teacher. She was an Architect, where she would build this ecosystem and culture in a classroom where brilliance was expected and excellence was the norm for Black mm, children in one of the most black challenging love that. Yep. Uh, uh, communities in Detroit. So for me, this is where I put it on those veteran teachers in our schools. If you love our babies the way you say you do, are you willing to invite in a novice teacher to your classroom To mentor them and then not say right hold on you'll appreciate this and then not say well am i getting paid to mentor that teacher because to me the survival of the profession is built on whether we're going to mentor young teachers or not if not bro that's not what they that's not what's that's not what's happening if you if you look now right the hands
1: hands are talking about this on sunday we're talking about quiet quitting right and you have folks that are explicitly saying that if this is not in my contract, I'm not going to do it, right? And so if you have folks that are out here and they're saying that, and you got these unions that are behind this propaganda, because unions have been pulling this shite for years in terms of like, hey, don't do nothing that's not in your contract. I remember people arguing me down my first year of teaching, talking about, hey, you're making us look bad, you're doing things that are not in the contract. And all are of you, you that are on this show right now, you know that that has happened, Right. And so if you got folks that are telling you... So first and foremost, right? Black and brown kids are coming into schools and they're coming at a disposition, right? They're coming behind folks, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of like, if we look at... We've talked about this on the show several times, H, about uh, where the affluent come into school in terms of reading levels and where non-affluent or whatever come into schools in terms of like where they are, right? And so in, in using that analogy, I'm coming in from the sense of our kids need more, Right? So from the jump, a lot of our kids need more. I'm not saying every kid because every kid doesn't come in in the same position, but our kids need more loving, right? And so if you're telling me from the jump not to give our kids more loving because we only can do what's contracted in terms of like what's in that script, what's in that contracted hours, then our kids are always going to be behind because we ain't gonna never be able to give them more.
0: Yeah, and and again, if you are someone who says I'm only going to do the very Least that is required of me, then you're not the kind of person who has the capacity to serve in the way we need them to serve. If you were in my school, right? Yeah, but hey, I'm glad, you, mean, I'm glad you. I'm named, glad you I'm named that. that. I'm glad. You it named doesn't that. mean that they don't need to be, but they can't. They can't rock with me in yeah. my school for the yeah. things the and the way, way they that do. we're. Rocking. No, they, they, I mean. Well, I mean, I think that gets back to what we expect from teachers, anyway, right? And we talked about this as a flaw of these alt uh, programs. The way they instruct folks to teach Black and Brown children is not the same way they would instruct folks if they were going to high performance schools. You wouldn't ask hey, children whoa, who. Are in what's a high performance school? Schools that have historically they don't have they have high performance in reading. They usually don't have as many Black and Brown children. They usually don't have as many sped, and they don't have as much turnover right? These are the places the sweet- Who would want to leave that? And H, who would want to leave that? Right, but what I'm saying is, if you were prepared, don't forget about where I'm preparing you to go. If you're telling yeah. me that slanting and doing this and tracking the speaker is the best way for all children to learn, then do that same shite uptown. Don't of only course. say that I'm that's sure. appropriate for, sure. for you. I agree. If I'm with you. you're telling me that writing workshop and allowing yeah. children to write and- Writing explore, workshop? I'm just saying, right? I'm thinking ain't about doing what? nothing from TC. That's some bullshit. What I'm saying is, if if I talk to someone and they tell me that the best way for young people to learn how to become comfortable readers and writers is just to explore it, but then when I go teach Black and Brown children, I'm telling them they got to do it in a different way. Then that is not about meeting students. That's about the deficit that you believe these kind of kids need to learn and these kind of kids don't.
1: But, but, but so so th- this is so then this makes this beyond a higher ed problem it's 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 a higher ed problem and in addition to a societal problem because a lot of these folks come in with this deficit view in terms of like what black and brown kids can and cannot do right sure. and so like and and here's the thing right and we've talked about this before on on the engaged podcast it's like they'll go through these interview cycles right and you will think that these folks are the most anti-racist people on earth. And then once they get in front, and that's because they're able to practice a script, they know all of the buzzwords, they know all of the things to say in order to get you to buy in to think that they are not racist. They're pretty much coming in as, uh, as, as you know. Well, I feel like this system is designed to do some things to to the disenfranchised folks.
2: No, here's the thing, right? (laughs) Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Let me let me bring in some something I heard a long time ago that had me all like yo this is cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Right? I'm digging this conversation. So I'm in a meeting and uh there's a uh, Jeffrey Duncan Andrade. He's a professor out at San Francisco State, started a charter school and it's just dope, right? And so I'm listening to him talk about about urban education in Oakland and kind of his experience because he was a teacher and da-da-da-da-da. And somebody asked him, Well, why are urban schools failing um black and brown children in America? He said, They actually ain't failing them, they're actually producing the outcome. They're actually designed and built that's a to fact. Produce. There we go. Here when we he, go. when <laughs> he said that, I was like, yeah. yeah, oh, you captured what I was like, yo, like. This this don't this seems like intentional like it it's one hundred percent intentional and that's the part for me where I said to someone they were like oh we need to get more kids in Detroit to go to college and I said you do know that schools in Detroit ain't actually built for people to go to college and they're like no oh well B had the will and I was like have you ever looked at uh the uh looked at Wall Street and what trades on Wall Street there are three things in Detroit. That, that trade on Wall Street for automobiles, yep. Chrysler, and General <laughs> yeah, Motors.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, I yeah, said, yeah, so yeah. Like, who's the predominant person in the plant, and back when my granddaddy was alive in the foundry, which was the most dangerous part hmm. of the auto pro, automotive uh, process, yeah. they were black people in Detroit. So why would they want to, to produce a thinking class when they can produce and reproduce a slave class of people? Those man, you followers? are here saying a word, man? Amen, 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 amen. And I think that, and I think that again, I'm not equating going into the factory as as a form of slavery. But yeah. what I am saying is, is that when I watch black bodies die because they're working in the foundry, like my grandfather, yeah. Yeah. like you mean to tell me we aren't going to remake the system it, it's, so that I, they I feel can do like- something else?
1: I feel like it's, it's it's easy to make that parallel. Like make yeah, yeah, I I I I feel that parallel. I felt that it was felt. All right, let's go through. Let's see, let's see who's in the audience. H I'm gonna give you your time. I wanna acknowledge who's in the audience if that's okay with you, H. Of course, of course. All of right. Course. We got Mama Toya in the audience. We got uh Hope Hope McGuire, happy 21st birthday. I know your birthday coming up, shout out to you. Uh we got uh Robin Renee. In the audience right now. She is uh doing her doctoral work at the University of Pittsburgh. Shout out to okay. uh to Robin, she's also an alum at UPenn. Um we got Maritza in the building. What's happening, Ritzy? Uh, we got uh 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 what is his name? Chino. Chino Chino in the building, one of our parents. He's out here making uh making a bench for our school, making a buddy bench. Two buddy benches, two buddy benches. he's making okay. for us. Shout out to him uh who else we got in here uh el, michelle el michelle? el michelle el michelle in the <laughs> building uh the residency needs to be co-teachers okay we're gonna talk Agreed. about that we'll unpack that um, we got el michelle on the show el michelle don't be liking to come on the show she got bad service out in the woods uh <laughs> lucas Hart. sherry what's happening sherry how how teacher reading going uh charity hightower what's going on what's happening welcome uh all right anybody from detroit right no. Detroit people don't support people. That's not true. <laughs> he couldn't even get that out. He couldn't get that out That's, right. Right. <laughs> Alright. H, on you. Uh, let's, let's button up this conversation about higher ed being trash.
0: Well, I was going to say um, about the systems. I think yes, they are designed to do what they're doing. And I think it also helps me wonder about what we think of as the purpose of school. Mm -hmm. And so I think for too many folks, we think of school as being this like, not this great equalizer, but like you got to go and do well in school. And there's a a pressure that we put on schools and on black and brown children, particularly that we don't necessarily see that as like what Mm -hmm. white children need to, to do in school. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I think often about when schools close down Mm -hmm. and parents like, oh, they need these social time. They need, like, their friends. Like, this is about, like, their social emotional. Like, they need all these things. And, yes, they do. But there's this part of the challenge with the way we look at these systems and how they work together to fail children also Mm -hmm. has to do with the intentions that we have for what we plan to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. since we are putting in situations where we think like if our children don't do well that's the end of all things right it's, they won't be anything if they can't go to college right that's not true there won't be that's anything true. if they're not in an ap class like we ne- i don't see that kind of pressure oh. um, from the majority of other kinds of students and other
1: oh, kinds. Of so man. i think it
0: gets back to the this thing around what we need from them and yeah. what the purpose is
1: all right so before i lose my mind Right, let's go into a, a a topic that's a little bit more broad, nuanced. Let's talk about uh sneaker con before we talk about this AP, uh this AP African American course. I'm gonna go to hell off on that. All right, so uh, uh where I probably did
0: that to go pick up some sneakers. Oh, you gonna I you see see go get some sneakers. I can sneakers? see a <laughs> yeah. glimmer. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna come back no, with a so, box. So. Yeah, thing.
1: of course, of course, of course, he should. Uh, so SneakerCon, folks. That if you if you're in the audience, right? Um, you know, sneaker is an event that's had yearly, uh, actually more than one time a year, and which folks come out and they uh they they discuss uh they they trade, sell, and buy uh different types of sneakers. Doc, go ahead, man, talk about it. How so
0: serious he oh, is? Those are tough.
1: <laughs> those are tough. Yeah, those are tough. Are you
0: they Picasso's? It. Nah, those are tough. No, so, man, so, isn't there a face on the
1: oh, side of it? So what they what they hit you what they hit you for with that?
2: We'll come back to that offline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but hey
2: set, hey, set up sneaker con. I'm about to go get some so, stuff
1: and uh, unbox them. Hold on. yeah,
2: up. Y'all, y'all already know. Most people know I'm a sneakerhead. So my nephew, one of my nephews, was here from Philly, <clears throat> and my other nephew lives here. And my other the nephew that's in Philly is a sneakerhead and my nephew that lives here he's a sneakerhead. The one who lives here sells sneakers. Like I've coached him on how to sell sneakers. So he's that like That would
0: make you a sneakerhead if you'd like. Nah, 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 nah. you like No, 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 no.
2: You cuz you got a group of people who are sneakerheads who say if you buy the Jays, you should wear the Jays. Like there's this whole okay. debate in the sneakerhead world. Like if some people are like, nah, I ain't selling my Jays. I'm trying to I'm trying to rock them joints like I'm kind of in the middle where I'm like if I bought them for 120 and you want to give me 500 for them, like, I mean. You can have them. You can have them. <laughs> like, you know, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, all right. So I uh, hit my nephews up uh, on Saturday and was like, yo, I'm taking y'all to Sneaker Con. And here's the thing. My oldest son, <clears throat> he's into sneakers. So there's a place called Blessed at Tyson's Corner. It's like a smaller version of Sneaker Con. It's oh. just a store. So took him there, got him some nice Jays, these black and white diamond Jordans, which are hard to find. He got a pair of those. So I take my nephews to SneakerCon, right? 30 bucks a person to get in, well worth it. And uh it was... Hmm. Those are interesting. Those Adidas, right? They are. Yeah. The, Ph-
1: the Pharrell Jones.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: I'm gonna use it. No, you can't use it. But. What? H H getting ready trying. to pull out her sneakers, bro, because you know she thinks we exclude her from these I, conversations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some sneakers. <laughs> Wait, too. And here's, and here's the thing, right? She's the one that said we should talk about sneaker Con. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, for the, so sneaker Con was in D.C. on, uh, uh, I think Saturday and Sunday this weekend. And it was amazing, man. My nephews got to see all sorts of different sneakers, um, and uh, I told both of them that I would help them kind of navigate uh, uh, the, the sneaker, uh, the sneaker space. And Sneaker Con uh, was amazing, and and Dennis Rodman was there. For those that are uh, Dennis Rodman fans, now now for those who are still watching the show, you can see H. And and went out they going to pull out more sneakers uh and and all this. they H still looking for a uh, a sneaker to bring uh bring to the set i got one yeah what you got h what you got are you ready yeah we're ready what is that what is that a Cortez? like
1: a like, a, like a, a nike shoe she don't even know what it is <laughs> You know, I, 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 h a pass man what we'll h good h we were supposed to be um we were supposed to be creative consultants in terms of like you picking your snoot your, your shoes and stuff and you didn't reach out to any of us in order to yeah all right,
0: i did i have a friend Chantel skipper shout out to Chantel. she's a sneakerhead i thought these were very nice there's a zipper
1: a zipper Hey man, gotta, if we don't move, if we don't move to another
2: topic, <laughs> hey, we move it to another. We should have had you. We should have had you come to sneaker con. Sneaker con had people selling vendors. They had individuals selling. And here's the other thing: people would walk around with their sneakers like this on a box. Yeah, sell them like that at sneaker con, and that. you would walk up to them and say how much you wanted. You could negotiate. Yeah. And for my nephews, because I want they they were like. Uncle oh, Robert, you gotta take us to SneakerCon. They had never been before, and I've been to SneakerCon probably a dozen times over the years. How many times a year? How many times a year they have it? It's in various cities, like it's on yeah. the Salt Lake City next. Bro, I'm about to. Hey, listen, I'm about to go and set
1: up shop. I'm telling you, I don't I'm about to go think, to SneakerCon I mean, con set up the shop. of white supremacy. No,
0: I'm kidding. What? I'm just. I'm just, I'm just Hey, but, but hey, it's,
1: it's, it's funny you should mention that, right? Because you got some folks that are out here that believe that, and, and will and will uh, write scholarship about yeah. it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, It's people. Who I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> know they, they, they,
2: they go write a
1: go go write a paper about that, and then and then and then go and present it. Like you'll, bring and, folk, you'll But, bring but folk then folk.
2: they'll show up at uh. Then they'll show up at sneaker con. Yeah,
1: right. Right. With Glasses <laughs> on and a
2: hoodie. Talk about some. Well, you know, uh, I had to get my son and my daughter some sneakers, so I'm here. Like, yeah. oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, I tell people well, I bet my Hypocrisy. I bet yeah. that
0: there probably is some connection to sneakers, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure because you know, keeping your shoes fresh and keeping a haircut. There's, pro- I'm sure that if we thought about it from some kind of critical analysis, we could figure out some way to thread that this like sneaker con, this like fascination with shoes. I know that sneakers have often been, this, not often, but people used to worry about kids getting jumped and beat up and snatched for their sneakers. It's and still like- They're worrying the about that. They're still, still worrying about that. You that's, put, still, a, you put, that's still a thing, people like- You put right, like, pad, right, right, right,
1: pad Yeezys,
2: their right pad Yeezys on, you getting robbed. They had, yeah. them Yeezy, they had a whole boxes of Yeezy slides. I ain't understand that at all. I'm like- Oh, I can't oh, oh please. This. No, oh. you said, look, now you go there you go you know but, you know,
0: I mean could you how, how do we feel like for real let's take this like back what do we feel about people who spend a significant amount of money on sneakers
2: and who I don't judge
0: ensure people. that their kids have the hottest sneakers and the and best belt and the best this and don't know their reading level that was something Ray brought up before right like if you Thank think you. about all of the money that's being spent on this plastic home shoe a phone hey. neon shoe.
2: Hey, you, you, you distracting. uh You, you intellectualizing our discussion of secret cod. Like, I'm and, saying, and, and it's and it's
1: not okay. It's not okay. It's
2: not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. That's, that's <laughs> it's violent. problematic. It's problematic for you to intellectualize secret and start talking Listen, about I'm just I, All right. So I, what I enjoyed
0: SneakerCon
1: So the the last topic we had. We had, what were we talking about? We um I said we were going to talk about sneaker con. Oh, yeah, set the poll up. Th- that poll you did.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that I was thinking that we wanted to do is try to figure out how we can like engage with us, the folks who rock with us, who follow. And oftentimes, the three of us have very unique experiences, but there are lots of other people like who feel and experience things very differently. So I set up a poll yesterday on our link for Twitter, asking when folks had their first experience with a black teacher was in elementary middle high or college and it looked like the majority of folks who responded let's go right to the thread so we can make sure we get that accurate and right and it looked like when the poll closed there were the majority of people had their elementary School teacher was black, and so it made me wonder. As we get ready to think about, forty nine percent of people had their first black teacher when they were in elementary school, and it was tied with high school and college. What, what was the
1: what, what was the sample size? What was the sample size?
0: Um, forty three votes.
1: Forty
0: eight. Hey, what?
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Forty three votes. Are you, to,
1: are you going to talk about the delineations of the study? No, I'm
0: not going to talk about the delineation and the p value and what it's statistically <laughs> significant. But I am going to ask. Your first, if both of you can share, what are your first memories of a Black teacher? When did you have your first Black teacher. I think you on mute, Doc.
2: Miss yeah. Cope, fourth grade. Was your yeah. first Black teacher? Uh, yeah. No, nah, she was the one that I remember the most. Because, you know, growing up in Detroit, and I say this all the time, right, there are things that I didn't know even until adulthood because of the the construct of educ I didn't know that n- having not having a black teacher was a thing because in Detroit most of my teachers were black like that just was Miss Cope Miss Session um, I had um, um uh, what was her name uh, Deborah Peake Brown who now works at Michigan State she was the person that made me fall in love with STEM I was sitting in her class. Uh, when the uh, Challenger blew up with uh, uh, mm-hmm. Brother McNair, Sally Ride, etc., So like, oh, uh, he, uh, he was an alpha? Oh. <laughs> I know exactly. Needle him, causing chaos up in here. Uh, shout it. out to... Uh, <laughs> Uh Ronald McNair, clearly a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated uh, and all that. Uh, yes. Shout out to the uh, cues on this on the show and in the audience. Uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, I, I was distracted. That so I had, you know, I got to clean it up for my, my brother, man. Uh, I know he loved his fraternity. So <laughs> and I love the work that they do in the community. So I, I can't hate on that either. But the point of the matter is, is that uh, I, I thought it was a thing. But Detroit was very different other places. And I told someone other day, I said, I didn't even know that a critique existed of teachers unions until I left Detroit. I didn't know in 2009 when I moved to Baltimore, I had never really heard that much about Teach for America because it didn't exist in Detroit that I knew of when I was a teacher. Like I, I didn't remember all of that. So I think Detroit was a very insular environment where you were very much protected by blackness amongst your teachers. And so I think for me, Miss Cope was the one that I remember because I never forget, I had on a pair of Jordans and mm-hmm. I was with one of my homeboys taking the bus home. And uh, this was back when Young Boys Incorporated was around. Um, and they had to the match Julian's with the fur on the hood. Dudes rode up with a pistol and checked in our J's. And like literally like run them shoes, like oh shit, like, all right then. And we we ran back to the school like, and she was standing there like, I know who they were, because I te- I taught them two, mm-hmm. three years ago. And she literally said, I'll be right back. She mm-hmm. came back with our shoes. And I was like, yo, like, this. And, and I'm like, knowing what I know now, um, and she's passed away, but she ain't have to do that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you gotta have real street cred to be able to walk up and say, like, yo, I need them sneakers back. And yeah. you know, it was it was it was a moment where I was like, damn, like, and as I look back on my career writing about black teachers, other mothering and thinking of teachers not just as a profession but as a lifestyle and a culture. Miss Cope embodied that for me, um, and it, it. It and I carry that with me to this day. Deborah Peek Brown, I shouted her out on uh, Twitter the other day because someone asked me about uh, STEM and what got me into STEM, and it was Deborah uh, Deborah Peek Brown. But mm-hmm. just in general black teachers, my fourth grade teacher, Miss Cope, five one five two. She was tiny, but like she was a powerhouse on the block, powerhouse in the community. And she ain't played none of that. I don't ever remember any bad behavior. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, shout out to Miss Cope as my uh, black black teacher uh, that I remember the most. H? How, oh Ray, how about you? H? Okay. Um, so
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> when I wrote the question, I almost wanted to edit it and ask about your, a black content teacher. Because what I remember in middle school was that there were a lot of special teachers. What the up, Shakur? The band teacher, all those <laughs> others. You see, he's so awful. All of those other folks who were like the teachers of color. But my, my math teachers were white. My science teachers were white. My philosophy teachers were white in middle and high school. But my first black teacher was in the second grade. Her name was Miss Bell. I don't remember her, unfortunately, you know how we've talked before about just because teachers are black doesn't necessarily mean that they are automatically loving and supporting and nurturing of black children and that some of them can say, I got mine, you should get yours too. I probably had more experiences like that in elementary school with black teachers who did not nurture, support, care, or lift me up. It wasn't them who were, Kind to me if I was sick, or patient with me if I made a mistake, or listen to me ramble on and on about some new book that I got from the library. It was for me, it was white teachers um, growing up in elementary school who were the, the ones who were sitting in the gap most for me. Now, fortunately, I had a Black mother, a Black grandmother, Black cousins and aunts, and other figures of Black people who were educating me even though they weren't my teachers who were listening to me, asking me questions, talking with me, pushing me, giving me feedback, even as a little one. So I never really saw teachers for all of the power that they had until I got into middle school. But I didn't have loving, warm, come here, let me hug and love on you. I had a third grade teacher who used to um, not encourage me to read and would get irritated when I would finish my books quick. I had a fifth grade male teacher who called me a name in front of the rest of the class and like would would belittle me all of the time because I was tall and smart and bold. And what I didn't know then is that I was taking up space in a way that made him feel uncomfortable, but I was nine. So I didn't really understand what was happening, but I didn't have black teachers who love on and pour into me probably until maybe college at Hampton university, my home by the sea. And then everywhere I looked, It just looked like black excellence across people who weren't even my teachers. I would see them walking down the hall and be like, oh, my gosh, I just can't wait to see and do them. But for me, it wasn't the same. I didn't have that experience. And so I think, you know, it goes to show we need the right black people in front of our children. It's not enough just because you meet the race ethnicity box doesn't mean you are quick to love, teach, support and pour into and protect children. Um, and so, yeah, that's my black teacher experience. How about you, Ray? When was your first black teacher?
1: I feel, I feel like you just went on a a, a, a anti black pivot.
0: And- no, I went on a do what you supposed to do pivot because just uh, listen, we got to stop keeping that bar low. <laughs> just because you're black doesn't mean that you're good. Kinfolk and ready to always kin Stop. They weren't good to me. It wasn't Miss Bell, <laughs> no, It was Miss McLaughlin who was hey.
1: nice. Listen. Okay. Let me say something. Let me say something real quick about about your your uh community by the sea or whatever that. that, that, that.
0: First of all, don't do that. <laughs> wow. Don't do that.
1: Wow. <laughs> right. So
0: in in, in any That's-
1: school, any school, PWI, historically black university or college, any any school that has a financial aid line that is from uh one end of the city to the other end of the next uh, county. Right? It's, it's it's something that we need to analyze and critique. That's an
0: institutional uh, thing. I'm asking you about <laughs> black teachers, okay? When was your... Did you participate in the poll? Are you one of the 43 votes?
1: I am not one of the 43 votes and the reason why I did not vote is because there's some skewed data in that poll uh... <laughs> this
0: passes IRD, and now he wants to critique Brian. <laughs> so, here. <laughs> So uh
1: my, my my moment uh came in well, so I I was I was poured into um throughout uh K eight, right? And so um uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, pre K eight, uh my first uh uh interaction with greatness was Miss Heiser in uh Regina Chelli, my pre K. Um and so ah. uh you know the the, the the bar started high with Miss Heiser. Uh she was a a, a, a she was amazing in the community, uh, and, and and I lived in a community where uh, we had about four or five black teachers in our community. But like when you walk by their house, like it was just like a level of respect that was like second to none. Like you wasn't cursing by their houses, you were not doing any of that stuff that, that you would do, uh, you know, normally as kids, right? So um, pre-K I had Miss Heiser, uh, first grade I had Miss Tally. Miss Tally was like my first crush. Uh, oh, she made me she made me want to come to school. Miss Tally was
0: like Miss Trinidad in that Martin episode.
1: I don't. I, yes, yes, like Miss Trinidad in that Martin episode. Uh, oh, it,
2: suck it uh,
1: nugget!
2: come st- on. Now. Uh,
1: second grade, uh, Miss Golden. Miss Golden was uh was warm, strict, right? Uh, you know she uh she had uh, her son Reggie, who was one of my good buddies. Uh, we played uh some sports together and stuff, right? Uh, so she that was good. Then um, uh, and I didn't have my next black teacher until sixth grade. Sixth grade, I had Miss Smith, who might be one of my all time favorites. But that sixth grade year was the 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 year for me, right? Because I mm-hmm. I was surrounded with like a Wakanda type uh, uh <laughs> atmosphere, right? Uh-huh. So I had Miss I had Miss Smith my ELA, and then I had uh Mr. McGee. Who had was bringing me into the stem world who's my science teacher right however uh he uh he had retired mid-year and then uh miss thomas came through right so miss thomas was african-american sister aka from the community or whatever right and like she always had on pink and green and i'm in sixth grade i ain't know nothing about greek life or whatever but that yeah you know, when i when i got older and i was like oh miss thomas is okay, all right um yeah and then, but when I got to seventh grade H, I I ran into the same experience that you had right mm-hmm. uh I, I ran into miss, miss miss Jones and she was my uh my social studies teacher my history teacher and um you know I was an athlete you know so I mean you know washing under my arms wasn't the, you know I, I probably wasn't my strong suit and somebody had might <laughs> 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 have had a little, you know might had a little athletic stench right. But the way she would call the way she would call that out make me feel bad about myself, man. Woo! It was it was like nothing I ever seen, man. She was, she was, she was definitely uh, she wasn't uh she wasn't caring. <laughs> she wasn't caring at all. Um, but yeah, so you know, I'll stop at sixth grade. Maybe we'll reconvene and talk about my college years. But I, I feel like I've been blessed to have uh African-American teachers in my life. Uh I've also had some uh some white teachers that that poured into me as well. Uh, I know yeah. in high school my social studies teacher, uh, Mr. Spear, uh, who passed away. Uh, he he was a phenom- phenomenal social studies teacher, man. He taught um, AP uh, social studies at uh, Monticello High School, and um, yeah. he he, he kind of he is one of the reasons why I got on my, the history track because the way that he presented information. I felt like he presented the information in a way in which it was like, it was unbiased. He brought in primary source documents or whatever, in order for us to come to our own conclusions and analyze the system in ways in which, so his, his job was to teach us how to analyze the system, put the material in front of you and then allow you to come to your own conclusions. And so shout out to, uh, shout out to, uh, uh, Mr. Spear and Mr. Lambert, uh, to uh, white, white history teachers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it also reminds me in those early years, like you don't remember what you learned, but you remember how you felt. You remember like feeling seen or supported or discouraged or people asking about you, right? You don't remember like, oh yeah, I passed this like test. You remember all of the feelings and the emotions. No, I remember that too.
1: Well,
0: that's because you passed a lot of tests. But some people will, will equate that test passing or failing and that feeling and yeah. it will help create their identity around how they see themselves as a student as a scholar as worthy of speaking up um yeah, so, yeah. oh but
1: you know you know another ed, so so i want to shout out some more institutions right so i want to shout out uh my, my church the greater starlight baptist church because that's where i learned how to read right and so uh, i had a oh. special special educator who, was, uh, who, who would take us and do strategies with us in terms of uh, um, uh, whip-arounds and, and, and all those yeah. things that you do in elementary centers. I felt like we was doing that with the Sunday school books. Elementary centers was happening wow. in my Sunday school class. Oh, so shout, so shout, them, shout, shout them out. And then also uh, an extension of the school yeah. year was that Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School was a, an extension of the school year for us. We were always learning. Uh, it was always a safe space. So shout out the Greater Starlight Baptist Church. Um, and then uh, what was I feel like I wanted to shout out. Oh, and shout out bus number 99 for the folks that are from Covington, Louisiana. You know about this guy, uh, Mr. Charles Talley. Um, uh, he was amazing, right? And so, like, you got on his bus, you knew what you needed to do. And so, he was like a reverend uh, insurance salesman. He was, uh, he, you know, this dude was everything to his community, right? And so, shout him out because you know, being able to see those models of greatness, it's like. You know, of course you walk by, you see the dope boy, you're like, damn, I want to have a lot of money. But then you see these folks that are doing it the right way. And you're like, hey, I can have just as much money and still have the same amount of respect that I could have in the community and be a beacon of the community. So it was good to see, you know, that that Mm. dualism. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that schools are one part of large communities with assets and opportunities to invest and pour into and build our young people. And when we fail, the community fails. So, mm,
1: yeah. Other right.
0: than just one pool. Closing thoughts, eight, starting with you, let's get it. Yes, yeah, so my closing thoughts on this, what is this episode of ours? Uh, 26, 25, what
1: episode is it? 27, 27, you can't get the, can't the episode right, All can't right. get the time right for the poll. Sorry, right, no.
0: listen, I'm, listen, I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, I don't know. My final word is just I hope that people are having the time they need to take care of the things that they need to take care of and that they are making space for themselves as well. You know, I think we got back into the world and it could be easy for people to forget some of the boundaries and the habits and the ways that they try to keep themselves sane and focused and healthy when things were not as good as they are now. So I would just You know, shout out to people, protect yourself, protect your time, protect your peace.
2: Yeah,
1: that's what's up. Doc, jump in here, man. Final thoughts.
2: Final thoughts and shout out to all the parents uh, of kindergartners going to uh, Mm -hmm. sending their babies to school. First time, uh, had an interesting experience uh, here uh, with uh, my baby. And, uh, you know, it's it's a journey. Uh, for five-year-olds to go to school because they can't really tell you everything that's going on all the time. So I think that you're you're taking a leap of faith and trusting, an, other humans to, you know, love on your baby. But um, you know, I know I have a village, and I've already heard from the two of y'all and other people who say like, you need us to do a drive-by. Like what what you need us to do, and uh, and, and I know my village means it. So just shout out to the parents uh, of kids who are, you know, kindergartners and this is the first time they've been in school in this uh, way full day. So uh, it's, it's hard, but um, I'm thinking about all of y'all. So shout out to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah my final my final thoughts man for the day is shout out to the new administrators man there's some folks out here that are hungry there's some folks out here that are seeing like all the things that are happening in these schools for the first time and they're taking the the lessons that they're learning and, and and they're they're embracing that that knowledge and they're thinking about how to critique systems and how to be better leaders, right? I got folks that are reaching out to me like, hey, if I ran a school, I would do this differently. If I ran a school, I would do it like this, I would do it like that, right? And so shout out to the folks that are out there that are building their capacity uh, to lead. And and one day, you're gonna have the opportunity to run schools because there's a shortage of school leaders and there's definitely a shortage of black school leaders. So shout out to y'all for wanting to uh, do that investigation and do the work, appreciate it. you guys, have been listening to uh, uh, another episode of the uh three times old podcast. I don't know if we're switching our dates because we got two folks in higher ed, they get these class loads and stuff, and uh, we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what kind of shack they're gonna pull.
0: So, we'll be back next week. We'll be back <laughs> next week. We don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs>